the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway, along with Bill Haggerty, my guest, Senator Haggerty from Tennessee. Good to talk to you, Senator. Good morning. As always, Hugh, it's great to be with you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm interested, Senator. Uh, you're a lot. You're featured heavily in the book by David Drucker in Trump's shadow, your 2020 campaign and Senator Cotton's uh, great efforts to help you out in that campaign. And you, everyone will go read it. I'll talk to David tomorrow. But for these candidates that I'm going to talk to, these six Ohio Republicans, what's the best advice as a candidate who just went through basically Trump's GOP, the Trump era GOP nominating process? What's the most important thing for them to focus on if they want to win the nomination? I think you have to realize this is an endurance test uh, of an incredible proportion. They have to be ready to fight. and They have to be ready to win. Um, they need to speak clearly to their voters, and they need to stay on the road every minute of every day. Now, I believe the party has coalesced, as does David Drucker, around conservative, combative constitutionalism, standing up and fighting for what we believe in, and in the recognition that the second Cold War is underway. Do you agree with both those propositions, Senator? Uh, I, I do, and I, I, I say this, that one of the things that first inspired me about President Trump uh, when he was still a candidate was his clear and, 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 you know, very forceful vision on China. Uh, I've had experience uh, in, in, in the region of Asia. I'd lived in Japan before, dealt with China. Uh, President Trump was the first back in 2015 to really call China out. And if you look at what's happened today, Hugh, you'd ask me America today. And America will tell you, know, the average American will tell you that China is a massive concern for us, a security threat, an economic threat, a military threat. That was not well understood or appreciated when President Trump began to, to, to beat that drum. Now, Senator, this morning in the Financial Times, there's a story. America's political and business elites no longer agree on China. There's also a story on Xi's property bubble that he's got a real problem. And there's also a story on the front page of The Washington Post uh, by Ellen Nakashima that the, the Cold War is out in the open now. They're, they're building strategic assets all over the place. I asked Senator Cotton yesterday, I'll ask you, any chance of getting one Democrat to put some money for defense into this $2 trillion they're about to spend? Won't Angus King... Or Jack Reed, do anything about our strategic capacity vis-a-vis China, especially after the hypersonic launch? You know, I, I talked with, um, with with Senator Inhofe just yesterday on this topic, and the hypersonic launch is uh, a, a new a new era altogether. Uh, that creates a threat that uh, surprised our intelligence community. Uh, it's a threat that we need to really ramp up our R&D and defense expenditure on. And I've got to believe that Democrats would be hard pressed not to step up, particularly folks like Jack Reed, as you mentioned, um, Angus King, possibly. But I've got to believe that there's going to be uh, an appetite to do this now. 
Well, you see, every single Democrat has the opportunity to go into the majority leader's office and say, Chuck, I need a tr- I need some of this trillions for my shipyards or for my hypersonic missile facilities or for the F-21 for that matter, the B-21, excuse me, the B-21 or for the Columbia class nukes. To, has anyone done that yet? I mean, they're having a bargaining war between Bernie and Joe Manchin on what to spend. Where's Jack Reed? Where's Angus King? Well, the war that they're having has been a private war. We hear little bits and pieces creep out. They're not talking to Republicans right now. They're talking amongst themselves. But I hope that this voice is making it to the table. Uh, what we're seeing is a, a party that's in complete disarray right now. But this is an area, particularly given the, the most recent news that you highlighted, um, this threat from China is stepping up. It's not going away. They've made, our, they've made it clear that by 2049, they want to dominate the world, and they're taking every step they can to do it right now. Now, Senator Hager, you're on foreign affairs, and I, I made the assertion earlier to Congressman Gallagher. I think their ultimate goal is not just Taiwan, but the Finlandization of the world, going back to the era when the Soviet Union simply dominated Finland. Do you think the CCP wants to dominate the world in the way that the USSR dominated Finland? Well, they, they've taken a different tact at it because they've used uh, their economic might uh, as a means to reach all across the planet already. I mean, we've seen it with their Belt and Road Initiative. They have taken huge positions in Africa, huge positions in Central and Latin America. I mean, this isn't just about their backyard. They've already moved out on a global basis economically. What we've also what? seen is corporations are willing to move back there. I was going to say, I think we've already seen the Finlandization of Hollywood and the NBA. And yeah. Senator Cotton yesterday raised the prospect that there might be the Finlandization of American media because of dependency on Chinese dollars. Do you do you see that? Uh, we do see it and are very concerned about it. And, and even if you look at the financial institutions here, for example, that are being pressed harder and harder every day by the Biden administration to impose ESG requirements on um, you know their lending activities and things of that nature, yet you also see these same institutions moving full speed ahead in China, uh, not applying the same sorts of conditions on them, uh, allowing human rights violations to occur, that type of thing. We're seeing a hypocrisy evolve here uh, that, that really is, is demonstrating and underscoring China's ability to get their way, despite what our morals and, and uh, rules may be here in America. Now, I know the average Tennessean is a constitutional conservative. It's a very red state now. Are they national security conservatives in the way that the Committee for the, the Present Danger emerged before Reagan? Do we have that sort of movement going on in the, in the Republican Party? I'll tell you what was palpable to me. When I went home as Afghanistan fell, veterans from every corner of the state, and we have a large number of veterans. You know the 101st Airborne is yes. situated there in Tennessee. Many have retired there. Um, we have the National Gold Medal uh, a, a Museum situated in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was there with gold medal winners um, and, and, and recipients. It was palpable, the embarrassment that um, Tennesseans felt over the collapse of Afghanistan, the fact that we'd been in there for 20 years, that they had had sons, daughters, husbands. They, they'd been served there themselves. They fought. They, they, they lost blood and treasure there. For what? For Biden to give it all up for a press release? I mean, th- there was a palpable anger there. And there's an embarrassment that uh, is, is of epic proportion. We've never seen something like this, a failure of this nature. And even though Tennessee is an interior state, we have a pride in America. We understand that a strong America is a successful America. And I, I felt it very, very strongly that uh, Tennesseans are very much in support of a strong national defense. So in the 1960 presidential campaign, 
the Nixon-Kennedy debates, they were all, a lot of it was about Taiwan and the missile gap. I'm sure you remember the history. You're, you're too young to have heard it. But the, the history was Kennedy alleged a missile gap. The Democrats ran as the party of strength against a weakness that had occurred under Eisenhower and Nixon. Is there is there a missile gap right now? And does any Democrat that you know care about it enough to do something right now? Well, we've got to do something about it right now. And I think it's incumbent on us. Uh, Tom Cotton is a strong voice on this, as you mentioned. And it's incumbent on us uh, to make that point clearer and clearer every day. Um, again, I was speaking with Senator Inhofe, who is a ranking member on the, um, the, the Armed Services Committee. He gets this very clearly. And we're going to continue to push hard, you know, very hard on this. And I think that we'll see Democrats come around to the realization that we really do have a gap. We've got to, to, to step up and fix it. We've got to make investments in R&D. We've got to make investments in the latest technology. We've got to streamline the whole procurement process, which is sclerotic and, and uh, you know, a real challenge for us to make the type of technology investment, successful investment that we need to make in the pace that we need to make it. Well, I agree with all that. It just seems to me that if if the Democrats are serious, they will not spend another two trillion dollars like they did earlier this year and not spend some of it, a significant amount of it on enduring national defense investments. And yet I don't you, you believe there's a, a dollar. Is there even a dollar in this bill that you know of for defense? Again, we the Republican side hasn't shown us, but I've gone over what the House side has put in, and the, and the answer is no. In fact, what they're talking about on a after-inflation basis is essentially a, a disinvestment in our defense. Um, there is a small increase, but inflation is at such a high rate right now that on a, on a net basis after inflation, it translates into an actual decrease in defense spending. Well, I, good luck to you in persuading uh, um, you and Senator Inhofe, persuading your colleagues, uh, Senator Reid. I mean, he's the chairman, right? He could get something. Yes. He could get something if he wanted it. That's right. That's right. And I think that conversation is, is underway and will continue to, to tighten, particularly in light of the news that you just mentioned with China's testing of the, of the hypersonic technology. I hope it resonates. Certainly, it seems like big media has noticed it today. Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Senator. Likewise. Uh, from Tennessee, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom has been doing a lot of good uh, because they've got great lawyers across the country, including the volunteer state. Will you volunteer to help the Alliance Defending Freedom? Their banner is over at hughhewitt.com. It has to load. Please make a contribution. I need a few thousand dollar contribu- contributors, people who can afford to do it. Keep the first freedom intact so that the country can talk about issues like this and not become Finlandized. We need the Alliance Defending Freedom to protect speech on campuses, churches, and communities. They do so at the banner at HughHewitt.com. Please go and be generous right now. Come right back. I'll update you on the markets next. It's morning in D.C. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined by Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Good to be with you, Hugh. Sorry about those Browns. Last place in the AFC North. That's got to hurt. Congressman Gallagher, the number is five and one. The number is 10. What does the number 10 signify? I I don't know where this is going. That's the number of playoff losses by Brett Favre for the Packers. He also lost one as a Viking, but Brett Favre lost 10 playoff games. Baker Mayfield has only lost one, and already people are comparing him with two dislocated shoulders popped back in and playing to the new Brett Favre. I'm not worried about the Browns at all, Congressman. We got Brett Favre's soul is living in Cleveland. 
Brett Favre's soul will always reside in Green Bay, Wisconsin, despite a brief detour to the Vikings, which we That's what I'm saying. When he went to the Vikings, he loosed his spirit animal upon the world, and it ended up with Mayfield. I'm telling you, it's Brett Favre. So, Congressman, I'm very happy this morning for a very weird reason. Tom Friedman writes a column warning about China in the New York Times. A lead story in the Financial Times says America's political class is divided from its business class over China. And Ellen Nicholson, uh, Nicholson, I I say it wrong, in the Washington Post front page, we're in a Cold War with China, basically. Do you think the other side has woken up to the fact that we're in the second Cold War? Well, I think the Chinese Communist Party is making it very hard to ignore that fact. And what's interesting, I I wrote a Wall Street Journal op-ed arguing that we were in a, a new Cold War with China last year. And I pointed out in part that the pushback is always from the Chinese Communist Party. They say we have a Cold War mentality. And I think they get so exercised about this because they don't want us to realize that we are in and act as if we are in an existential competition. They'd rather us default back to the cooperative framework that allows them to advance their military program, that allows them to advance their Belt and Road agenda, that allows them to practice economic coercion and global united front work. Meanwhile, we pursue naively grand bargains with the Chinese on things like climate change or stability on the Korean Peninsula or nonproliferation, all of which they have been bad actors on. And so, yes, we are in a new Cold War. That does not mean it's identical to the old Cold War, as we've talked about what makes this in many ways more complex than the old Cold War with the Soviet Union, is that our economies are so thoroughly intertwined. And that's why one of the biggest steps we need to take is to selectively decouple our economy from China's. And this, I think, is where there's still a divide within the parties right now. I think the Democrats are unwilling to do some very important things because of their donors on Wall Street and because of their natural constituencies with university endowments and state worker pension funds. We need to be prohibiting university endowments and state and local pension funds from investing in China in general and China tech in particular. And we need those in on Wall Street who are lecturing us about global ESG investing to recognize the hypocrisy and the fact that China stinks on the E, the S, and the G. And if the G stands for anything, it should stand for genocide. But Larry Fink and BlackRock and others on Wall Street have yet to grasp that basic fact. I don't know that Silicon Valley gets it either from everything that I've read. The congressman in the aftermath of the public knowledge of the hypersonic launch on a Long March missile, meaning that we are a step behind. Now, your, your friend and colleague, Senator Cotton, did not seem as alarmed as many other people I'm talking about. He, maybe you also are less alarmed because maybe we're not as far behind and there isn't the missile gap that I think exists there. There, We're about to spend another $2 trillion minimum, maybe $1.9 at the, at the low end. Can you get any of your Democratic colleagues to spend any of this on strategic defense, whether it's Columbia class, whether it's opening shipyards in Maine, Angus King, put up your hand. Whatever you guys did in the solarium, you ought to be able to get that all funded in this bill. Where is Angus King? Well, one bright spot in the House Armed Services Committee, we did have a pretty strong bipartisan vote to raise the defense top line. Remember, the Biden administration submitted 
a defense budget that was completely inadequate, that would have cut the Navy, uh, that made no strategic uh, sense. And as I wrote about in the Washington Post a couple weeks ago, my concern is that now the new forthcoming Pentagon strategy, Secretary Austin's forthcoming national defense strategy, is going to be based on this concept of integrated deterrence, which is really a vacuous buzz phrase that's intended to act as a smokescreen for cutting hard defense, cutting conventional deterrent capabilities and strategic capabilities as well. That being said, on the committee, there are some Democrats like Elaine Laura and Lurie and others who were willing to vote with us to raise the top line. That's a good thing. I would say when it comes to hypersonics, I'm, I, I guess I didn't hear what Senator Cotton said, but I, I'm very alarmed. I do think this is uh, a Sputnik moment, the fact that they uh, have hyper, had and have had hypersonic weapons for the DF-21 and DF-26 for years, while we're still years away from initial operating capability when the Army gets its weapons, should alarm all of us. And for your listeners, you I know you know this, but what makes these weapons so dangerous is not just that they can fly fast, it's that they can maneuver while flying very fast, which completely undermines our early warning systems, our homeland defense. We're not just talking about their ability to threaten Taiwan. We're talking about their ability to threaten threaten ports in America, major American cities. So we should be alarmed. This should be a wake-up call, but instead we seem asleep at the wheel, and the Biden administration is simply not attacking this with the urgency that we need. I, I, I should say, Senator Cotton is alarmed. He is not surprised. That's how he presented it to me, but he's on the yeah. Intel Committee. So I want to ask you, Congressman, do you think, what, what percentage of people in Wisconsin think it's even possible, even possible that they might wake up some morning to learn that 100 hypersonic missiles had hit every carrier that was deployed, all the boomers that were above water and port facility, and that the Chinese were not expecting a war. They were just expecting a strategic strike at our defenses, non-nuclear. What, what percentage of Wisconsinites believe a, a Pearl Harbor of the 21st century is real? You know, Hugh, I, I fear that it's a very low percentage, five, ten percent. And I and honestly, I think particularly those in the financial community, particularly those in the business community who are making money in China, uh, look at the risk of a confrontation over Taiwan and they consider it a very distant tail risk. They when I sort of say, hey, you got Admiral Davidson saying this thing's going to pop off in the next six years. The CNO agreed, as did the comment of the Marine Corps. They tend to dismiss that as just kind of the ravings of national security hawks. I think that's misguided. I think particularly after Xi Jinping pro uh, pockets the massive propaganda victory of hosting the Olympics in Beijing uh, in a few months, I think things could get very very testy over Taiwan. And I think we need to do a better job of making the case to Wisconsinites as to why this matters. I was actually do you, in the Do you believe, Congressman? I want, I want to interrupt yeah. you for a second. Do you believe, Please. however small the probability, that there is a potential for that kind of a surprise attack on America's strategic assets that the CCP would consider short of war? It's, it's, the, it's the Stavridis scenario. It's what 2034 is all about. The limited strike that just sort of cripples America's will. Maybe a carrier, maybe more carriers, maybe all carriers. Do you think Xi thinks that way? I think the most likely strategy they're pursuing, as Bridge Colby, I think, lays out very well in his uh, book that was just released, Strategy of Denial, is a fait accompli strategy. So essentially they move very Sun rapidly. Right. To, 
Exactly. To establish facts on the ground before we can do anything or pursue very creative measures like over a period of a couple of months, flying in, you know, uh, people on civilian airlines into Taiwan, kind of a quasi little green man scenario. But in either scenario, I think they are will be able to uh, very rapidly move overwhelm our early warning systems and overwhelm Taiwan's indigenous defense systems. And that Congress, very with that, I'm not talking Taiwan. I'm talking Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And for my youth, we all grew up thinking that that was possible. You know, I can I don't remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, but that second grade people thought that was always a possibility, however remote, and that you had to prepare for that little probability. I think the trend, the difference between Cold War one and Cold War two, that Americans don't think about preemptive strikes anymore. They just don't even believe it's possible. And I think, um, you know, there's this quote from the Korean War where General MacArthur is talking to the Senate and he says it's wrong to believe that war can be applied in a piecemeal way that you can make half war, not whole war. I think we tend to think that they'll engage in some sort of half war, but I'm not sure that quite is getting it right. I think you could expect in a confrontation with China that if deterrence really fails, They'll wage a whole war. Now, it may not be a nuclear war, but it will include shutting down exports of critical goods. It will include attacking our critical infrastructure with cyber weapons. It will include spreading disinformation on social media to destroy our will to fight, to say nothing about the conventional threats that you outline to American carriers and ships and things like that. I, I think there is almost nothing that she wouldn't do to effectuate unification of Taiwan with the mainland. Even if, as Oriana Mastro and others have written, even if it results in him giving up half or more of the PLA's Navy, he's willing to pay a high price. I believe that is correct. I believe that's correct. But I also think he has a goal beyond that, which is the Finlandization of the world. The way that he's Finlandized Hollywood, the way that he's Finlandized Silicon Valley. He's a genius, by the way. I'm I'm not taking anything away from Chairman Xi. But do you, with the sort of the advent of a recognition that there's a second Cold War, does the American media understand, last question to you, understand Xi? I think this is the whole key. One guy can do this. No, and I fear throughout the pandemic, the legacy media in America has been acting as useful idiots for the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, you have people, Chuck Todd and others, praising uh, early on in the pandemic the way the Chinese handled their pandemic response. Yeah, but Chuck, uh, Chuck is now a realist. I talked to Chuck. He's now a realist. I think all the big media is a realist. I don't know if our audiences, though, are aware of what that means. Yeah. And I, again, I think um, people in public office need to do a better job, myself included, of connecting what can seem like abstract concerns about Taiwan or Xinjiang province, uh, well, the Uyghur Autonomous Region in Xinjiang, to everyday life of Wisconsinites and even Ohioans uh, going forward and why this is something we all need to be worried about and why you should be offended when a hostile foreign power is able to coerce major American industries, whether it's the NBA or Hollywood, right? I mean, that should offend every single American. We need to act, we need to mobilize uh, in a bipartisan fashion uh, Americans to, to start taking charge of the situation and invest resources in our defense before it's too late. Very quick last cheat question. Senator Cotton brought to my attention what I did not know, that every major news organization in the United States has a complicated relationship like Hollywood's with the Chinese Communist Party. Right, do you agree with that? I do. Wow. You see, I just, I just think even hawks like me are, are aware of 
the wake-up call that came with the hypersonic. And I hope a lot of uh, good luck to you. But go get some money from your friends. Because the Democrats are going to spend $2 trillion, not a penny for defense, but trillions for Green New Deal. I, it, it doesn't make any sense. Congressman Mike Gallagher, remember the new Brett Favre is named Baker. It's Baker Favre. Talk to you next week. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.